Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. I'm very grateful for that today. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say renewing. Amen. The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I love how the scriptures sometimes give us the directive, but then it gives us the reason for the directive. Everybody, I, do you like to, I kind of like to know if you're going to have me do something that I don't understand why I'm doing, I'd kind of like to understand what the purpose is behind it. That's just me. I think most people are like that. I think that oftentimes if we can understand the purpose for the directive, understand that there is a benefit that is coming down the road. Not everything we have to understand. Some things we just do. We don't really understand. We do them and we, because we trust the Word of God, and sometimes we trust our pastor, we, that he has our best interest in mind. And, and, but but I, I love it when God gives us some insight, and this is what he's doing. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and that's what I want. That's what I want for this church it's what I want for myself personally. That's what I want to see for every family here, everybody that makes Landmark their, their home, their church home. I want to see the perfect will of God accomplished in each and every one of our lives, from the youngest to the oldest. Amen. God bless you. I want to just preach to you today a message I've titled Renewed. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. I'm going to preface the, the message today with, with a question, and I, I understand it's a rhetorical question. It's not one that I'm really looking for an answer to. Nobody has to raise their hands. Uh, you can if you want. I, I don't mind if you do, but, but you don't really have to. Uh, it, it's really just a question that, that kind of puts a thought in your mind to kind of help me get towards the point that I'm trying to make. And the question is simply this. Uh, who doesn't like to every once in a while get something brand new. Sure, okay. My wife, she's raising her hand just for, she, she's, yeah, sure, we like something brand new. Who, who's ever gotten a brand new bike in, in, a, in their lifetime? Brand new bicycle, you know? I, I'll never forget my, my, uh, my sister and I, we were playing with my cousin over at my grandmother's house. My mom said, your dad called, it's time to go home, and we were crying. We didn't want to go home. We wanted to uh, stay playing with our cousin over at my grandparents' house, but the mom said, no, no, we got to hop in the car, got to go home. Dad has something he, he wants to show you, and so we begrudgingly hopped in the car and drove the five miles home, and, and I was still aggravated and angry and upset when I got out of the car, and I walked through the front door, and there in the middle of the living room was a was a brand-new bicycle for my sister and a brand-new mini bike for, for me. And uh, I don't know if my sister ever really uh, caught on that she was being slighted there or not and that I was the favorite child. Uh, I don't know if she caught on that or not. But anyway, uh, time has passed, and I think we're okay. Uh, I, I never will forget that, though, that, 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 that feeling of something brand-new. And I, I love that. And But... At, the Bible speaks of making many things new, and, and I'm thankful that it does because there are some things that I need to be brand new in my life. You know, David uh, spoke about 
putting a new song in his heart. And Ezekiel saw, uh, spoke of a new heart and, and a new spirit. And, and sometimes we need something new. We need God to, to give us and show us something that we've never seen before. Mark wrote about a new tongue that would accompany the believers of Jesus Christ. For something to be defined as being new, it means that it has not ever existed before or it was newly discovered recently for the first time. Okay? Just so we have an understanding of what new is. I like new stuff. I mean, occasionally, who doesn't like maybe a brand new set of sheets for the bed. I mean, you crawl in that brand new set of sheets and they're just so soft and, and, and nice and fresh and clean and, and or, or maybe a brand new suit of clothes for, for the men or the women or brand new uh, pair of nice shoes that for me, a pair of cowboy boots and I don't know what a brand new pair of cowboy boots even feels like. I mean, I, I all my stuff is eBay. I couldn't afford these if I had to pay for what they go for brand new, but I'll find good deals and, and I'm a little bit... Uh, of a thrifty kind of guy when it comes to stuff like that. But but there are times when new things are great, and we love them, and we enjoy them. But at the age of 55, I've kind of gotten to the place in life where I appreciate and I like stuff that has been renewed, stuff that has been renewed. There's a place we've recently discovered, and I've talked to several of you about it, classic car place up in uh, you know, within an hour's drive of here, my wife and I, we went in there and looked around. I was in awe, and I was looking at things that were in there. And recently, we took my mother-in-law and my father-in-law there, just went out to eat with them, and then walked around this place and just enjoyed a little bit of time. And I thought, you know, they're probably going to really enjoy this. They're 20 years our elders, and and they're looking at things that, that, were, uh, that they can remember. As a matter of fact, we were standing in there, and, and my mother-in-law said, uh, Frank, she said, we had this car right here. It was a different color, but we had this car, and I watched him travel down memory lane. But I also heard something that my father-in-law said. He said, yes, but dear, when that car was brand new back in 19-whatever it was, he said that car went for $2,800. We walked out of there that day, and we dropped them off after visiting. I told my wife, I said, if, you, if money was no object, I'm just curious. Which car would you pick out of all of those cars in there? Which car do you like the best? If you could have whatever. And there's this 1955 Ford Thunderbird. It's kind of like a teal green, and it has a hard top convertible on it. And she says, I, I would pick that car. And I said, good choice. That's a good choice. She said, which one would you pick? And, and, and as much as I like that car, I really like the 1962 Chevy Nova convertible cherry apple red with the 383 crate engine underneath it, all chromed out and oversized tires, brand, I mean, candy apple red. It's red interior. I mean, the thing is crazy, crazy cool. You can go online and, and uh, this place shows videos and pictures of these cars that are all sitting out there. And you can actually, they won't let you, because they tell you, okay, you can look, but no touchy. No touchy the car. You don't get to touch the cars. And I'm quite sure, certain, I didn't touch it, but I'm fairly certain that there's probably some rice drool somewhere on the on the floor of that of that showroom around that car as I walked around it, my tongue dragging the floor behind me, wishing that I could have that car. 
Was that car brand new? No. Can you go buy a brand new car down the street? Yes. If I had the choice of buying a brand new car off the lot down the street or having that 1962 Chevy Nova, which one would I choose? I don't think there would be any doubt in my mind. I would march myself right down and pick up that 1962 Chevy Nova that even though it's 60 years old, it has been renewed. And here's the thing about it. It is more valuable today in its renewed condition than it was when it first came off the showroom floor. And even though there are some things that are new, Don't ever get to the place where God takes something and renews it and you devaluize it, uh, make it less than valuable in your own mind simply because it's not something brand new. We have a word. We have the Bible. We have the things of God. And not everything we have is new, but everything that we have can be renewed and the renewed things can have great significance and great value. 1962 Chevy Nova convertible, $2,475, brand new, off the showroom floor. Now, if I'd have walked into that place, Brother Jones, and I everything in that place is for sale, it's kind of scary. In a moment of weakness, without the good common sense of my lovely bride that says, no, we, no, we don't, we don't need, because I just about bought a Corvette about a year ago in there. And here's the scary part. She looked at it, and she liked it so much. She said, it's not really that that expensive. If you like it that much, go ahead and buy it. And I was like, whoa, about took the dive. Then my father's good sense came out in me, and I backed off and said, no, let's not do that. We can't spend that much for a toy. That, that would be a toy. That candy apple red Chevy Nova, I looked at the price sticker on that thing, $108,000. You guys got that that you can loan me? Any of you guys? Uh, come on, I will take you for a ride. If you have the money for me to buy it, I will promise you at least one ride. No can do. No can do. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? The renewing of the mind, not to give you a new mind, but a renewing of the mind that God once gave you, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul did not tell the church that God would give them a new mind, but that God would renew the mind to its original purpose. I have to wonder. I have to wonder just exactly how much of our mind was lost when sin entered the picture. You have to remember how incredibly intelligent Adam and Eve had to be to do everything that they did, to name every animal, to go through everything that they went through. They had to be incredibly intelligent, but somewhere along the way, sin has come in, and the mind has been distorted and changed, in my opinion. God wants to give us a renewed mind, a mind that goes back to its original purpose. Whether we realize it or not, and I'm sure many and most probably do, there is a battle that rages in your mind between the life that God 
desires for you to have and the defeat that the devil wants to you uh, wants you to accept as your reality. You know, so many people they just give up. Well, this is just who I am. This is just how it's going to be. This is just I I I don't have any escape from this. And in their mind, they have already been defeated in the battle. You're not the first to fight that battle. There are those that fought it before you, and there are those that will fight it after you. But let me give you a quick example. 400 years, the Israelites have been captive, cruel taskmasters that they've served under. 400 years. I'm sure early on in that captivity when they were first taken as slaves, as, as prisoners to Egypt, that there were many that were used to freedom, but somewhere along the way, the generations went by, children were born, and then grandchildren were born, and, and, and sooner or later, the talk of freedom, the talk of revolt, the talk of, uh, of a, a different life, the, the ways of old when we did what we wanted, when we wanted to do, and we planted corn in our own field, and, and we built houses that were our own houses, and we had our own land, that, that all was a distant past. Time goes on, and gradually the people of God began to accept the fact that they were not going to break free of slavery anytime soon. Where once they might have plotted against Egypt, now they began to teach their children, this is just who we are. This is just the life that we're going to have to accept. This is just what we're going to have to endure. This is just our lot in life. Generations passed, and every Hebrew, whether they liked it or not, dealt with the fact that they were a slave. They were a slave to Egypt. Just became a part of who they were. They were born into it. Give it a few generations, and all the early ones have passed away, and by now, everybody that they know that is being born has been a slave. Daddy was a slave. Grandfather was a slave. Grandmother was a slave. Great-grandfather. The generations have passed, and the mentality, the way of thinking, is completely different from the early generations that were first brought into slavery. That mentality had consumed them as a nation. For 400 years, the Hebrews, God's people, God's people, they lived under the Egyptian taskmaster's whip. No one's speaking of freedom anymore. Instead of telling their children stories of the great nation that they once were, they now just look at their children and say, hey, you better just learn and understand this is just how it is now. This is just our lot in life. This is just the way that we have to live. You're just going to have to make the best of the lot that we're in. What a sad state of affair. And then came the day that Pharaoh called for all the boy children that were born to the Hebrew people to be drowned in the river because They were becoming so great in number that it was beginning to threaten the control that Egypt had over the Hebrews. Child is born by the name of Moses. 
And of course, as any mother would try to save that child, this mother took that little baby boy and she hid him down in the bulrushes, down in the river. The sister would go down and kind of keep eye, and then one day Pharaoh's daughter was walking and bathing herself down the river. She discovered that basket. She heard that baby. I don't know how she discovered him, whether she came across him, heard him crying, whatever it was, but she came down and she found him. And I want you to imagine the fear, the panic that must have struck Moses' mother when she found out that her child had been discovered. You have to know that she probably thought she would never see her child again. But God had a plan. Somebody hear me right now. God always has a plan. God, I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what situation you might have found yourself in, what kind of hardship, some trials. There's some confusion maybe going on in your life. Let me tell you something. Keep walking for God because God has a plan for where you're at. God has a plan for who you are. And God has a plan for what he wants you to be and what he wants you to accomplish for his kingdom. She had compassion on that child. Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on this Hebrew baby. Unbeknownst to her, she hires Moses' very own mother, not realizing that she is his mother, to nurse her own child. Don't tell me God doesn't have a way of working things out in a bad situation. So Moses is nursed and taught by his own mother about who he is. She's nursing him, and he's in her home, and she's telling him, listen, you are a Hebrew. You are God's child. You have Hebrew blood flowing through your veins. But he's not living there. He's living in the palace. He's living in the palace of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's daughter is is raising him. And so so while he's being taught about who he is and who his people's God is by his own mother, he's also being taught things of royalty. He's taught to lead and command. He doesn't bow down. He doesn't fall under the whip of the Egyptian taskmaster. No, he is being raised in a palace family to the Pharaoh. So he grows up with a different mentality than his people have. He thinks differently than everyone else his age does that has the same Hebrew blood flowing through their veins. He has a different mindset. He grows up knowing his true identity as a Hebrew, but he doesn't think like the rest of the Hebrews. He's thinking like a prince and a king. And then a day of decision comes for Moses when he finds an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of his Hebrew brothers, and something goes a little berserk in his mind, and he finds himself in a fit of rage, and he kills the taskmaster. He makes his choice. 
In a moment's time, his life is turned upside down, and he finds himself a fugitive. But just remember, God has a plan. God always has a plan. Sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go. Sometimes you think you're headed one direction, and God will create a place of decision in your life that takes you a total different direction. But God has a plan for you. There is a place where God is trying to lead you to, where he can use you to deliver others that don't know him, to have others delivered that don't think like you do. He needs somebody with a palace mentality but still has a bloodline link to the family of God and the people of God. There's a people that need to be delivered that's going to need somebody that thinks differently than they do. Moses runs away and spends the next part of his life herding sheep for his father-in-law until God speaks to him from a bush that is burning but not being consumed. At this point, we see where Moses and God kind of get into this little bit of an argument. God say, hey, I need you to go back. Moses was like, God, you know, that ain't going to work out so good for me. I don't know how you see it from where you're standing, but, but I'm really, I, I left there running for my life, if, if you recall. By the way, you want me to lead all these people? Have you not seen me? I, I'm just a sheep herder now. That's, that's somewhere in my past. God says, I'll be with you. Moses say, well, let's just say, for instance, that I accept this offer and I do go back. Who am I supposed to tell them that I'm working for? How am I supposed to tell them that I'm there on your behalf? God says, you tell them I am as your boss and you can answer to no one else. Somebody needs to remember that when you start allowing yourself more than one boss in your life, you're going to have problems. You're not going to know which way to turn. God needs to be at the first and the foremost of your mindset. You need to put God first and foremost in your prayer life. God must be first and foremost in your decision-making. Everything you do needs to be surrounded around him. You have to answer to nobody else but him. Moses. Continue trying to come up with excuses. I don't speak well. How can I make demands of such a man as the Pharaoh? And, and I don't know this for sure, but I have to wonder if God's thinking, he's starting to think like the rest of them. He's starting to have this slave mentality. He's having this bondage mentality where where he's thinking like all the rest of his people. I, I put him there for a purpose so he would not think like everybody else. You know what? Somehow I think that, that there's so many people and places and churches that are so out of whack because they think we need to be more like the world so we can relate to the world. No, the world doesn't need a church that looks like the world. The world needs a church that is full of the Holy Ghost. The world needs a church that has transformation power. The world needs a church that still sees the supernatural take place in its midst. That's what the world needs. It doesn't need something else that's like it and thinks like it. It needs some place that thinks differently. 
So God says, no, you don't. I'm not, I'm not worried about how well you speak or what you smell like sheep. What I need you to remember is you need to go back and remind them of what the feeling of freedom is like. You need to go back because they're still in bondage. You're out here hurting these sheep and you're living a free man's life. I need you to take that back and show them that that's what they need to do. Let me tell somebody here today that if your mind is already accepted defeat, then the battle is already over. See, the battle wasn't won when Moses' staff turned into a serpent and he throws it down. King said, bring my magicians out. And they throw their, their staff down. They turn into serpents too. The, the difference was Moses' serpent ate the magician's serpent, the, uh, serpents. He picks it back up. It turns back into a staff. The battle wasn't won when he stretched that, that rod forth and the, the Red Sea opened up and all the people. That, that's not when the battle was won. Those are all the benefits of a battle that was won prior, the battle in his mind. The Bible talks about David, and David perceived that he was king. Anybody remember? Uh, there comes a point in time where the church has to understand what you are called to be and who you are called to serve and our job, what our job, what we are called to do for the Lord. Amen. We can't just walk around and say, oh, we're a good group of people. No, God has brought us together and we must have a mindset that says we are not slaves to this world. We're not going to live in bondage to this world. We're not going to think like them. We're not going to act like them. We're not going to eat like them. We are going to be different because we have a destination of freedom in our future. There's got to be a generation. There's got to be a generation that says enough is enough. But it starts with individuals. And I know I hear it sometimes, well, you know, you don't know the family I was raised in or the culture I was raised in. or I, I, I get it. Those things have a stronghold in some people's lives and, and in some people's minds. But, 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 but the problem with that is, is you are bound to repeat the, the, the same mistakes as your father and your grandfather and everybody else along the lines. There's things that, that are passed down. I get that. And there's things that, that we're taught. I get that. And there are cultures that we were raised in. I, I understand that. But I, I also understand that God can renew a person's mind and help them think differently than daddy thought. Because daddy's way of thinking brought him to destruction. There's people that can have a different way of thinking than grandma and grandpa or culture or their city that they lived in. You can have a different way of thinking if you set your mind upon him. God wants to renew your mind and help you think differently. You cannot live for God and have a slave mentality. This world's a mess. It's been a mess for Several generations now, with every generation it seems to become worse and worse, and the Bible tells us that it's going to be that way. So we have two choices. We can either sit back and say, this is just the world we live in. This is just what our kids are going to have to deal with. This is just 
just just what what the church is going to have to do to keep people or fill the pews and fill the offering plates, keep the lights on. This is just how it's going to have to be. This is just the world in which we are trying to operate in. Or there can be a church that says we're taking a stand. We're not going to think that way just because they think that way because I see the way they're thinking. I see the destination it's taking them to. Sometimes people take the long way around to burn more time, energy. Last night we were coming back from the youth service, uh, the children's service. Uh, I think three got the Holy Ghost last night. Our kids were all over the altar. I'm so proud of this church. There was a great group of, of our folks that were there last night. It was phenomenal. That place was packed out. Children were in the altar. People were praying. It was a great time. And after it was all finished, we hopped in the church van and headed back. And we dropped somebody off over here in Coulterville. Brother Bill was sitting in the passenger seat next to me. And we came home. And he said, I've never been back to Sparta through this, this direction. I said, well, it can save you a little time. He said, yeah. He said, I didn't even know that was there. Now he does. And I imagine the next time he's coming from that way, if he's wanting to go to the certain side of town on the north end here and he wants to get there a little bit quicker, he's going to say, nah, what was that way that Brother Rice took that night? He's going to try that way out. Sometimes people just need to understand that there's a different way out. They need to understand that you don't have to be stuck on the same road that you've been driving all those years. There are times when you just need to understand there's a different route that can take you to a different place. You are not trapped. Things that were once preached as sin, and I appreciate I really do appreciate the message this morning because we preach the truth, but we preach it in love. Not a hard, harsh doctrine, but a doctrine that reaches out. And I love the scripture that talks about if if, if a brother if a brother fall, those of you that are what? Spiritual, thank you. Spiritual. Why does it call for people that are spiritual to go help restore them? Because unspiritual people will criticize them. Unspiritual people will just make them feel worse. Unspiritual people will just push them further away from God. But spiritual people will say, hey, I know you've fallen. I know you're hurting. I know you're disenfranchised. Let let me tell you something. You don't have to do this by yourself. Come on, we still love you. Come, No, we're not leaving you behind. Are you kidding me? Uh, this is a church that's full of love. And it says, those of you that are spiritual, restore them. How? As if it were you in their position. I keep telling myself over and over again, when I, when I deal with different issues and different problems, if that were me, what would be the, the best approach for somebody to reach out to me, how would I respond most favorably? We don't compromise truth, but we also don't sweep it under a rug just to make sinners happy. 
just to fit in with the with the world. When our music come today, I need to bring this to a close. We do that and we just slowly lull godly people into a place where a cruel taskmaster can take control. Maybe not that first generation of people, but there will always be people that still know what freedom tastes like. But you let a generation or two go by and you'll have some generations that don't know anything but a slave mentality. A mind that knows nothing but bondage. I tell you, when a child can't bow their head in school and pray over their meal in fear of punishment, that's not freedom. There's things going on in our society that our society's only, only hope is for a church that will stand up and say, listen, not in my house. I may not be able to control, but if I have a vote, if I have a say, I'm not going to get up and be ugly, but I'm going I'm to state my peace, and I'm going to back it up with God's word. You need a renewing of the mind. First Peter 2 and 9, your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. It's describing me and it's describing you. My people. I don't know that I have an inkling of Jewish blood anywhere in my lineage. I was, not a, I was not a people, but I now have become one. Been grafted in. Thank God for the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Ministered to the Gentiles. Reached out. Obtained mercy. book goes on to say, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. We're living in the day and the hour that the Bible spoke where evil is going to be called good and good is going to be called evil. And when a church that takes a stand on morality and godly principles, the slice and dice and a million different pieces by people that, that want to say, oh, you're just a bunch of judgmental people, a bunch of hate mongers. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. We love, we just love people enough to present them with the truth in a godly and a loving way. I want people to know that there is an answer. Oftentimes, when you speak the truth, sometimes a friend looks like an enemy and an enemy looks like a friend. We live in the middle of the mess, but 
I can still smile because in the middle of a mess, I'm still free. I'm still free. I found freedom. I lay my head down at night. I rest knowing that my conscience is good with the Lord. There's nothing greater than that. Nothing greater. I don't see things through the same eyes as the world sees them. I've let the blood that washed sin away renew my mind. And even though we may live among a world that thinks they're free, but in reality, they are living a life of bondage. We can have that freedom in the midst of the turmoil. Think about this. What did they do when they, Moses got them out to the Red Sea? You brought us out here to die. Wish to God that you just left us alone in Egypt. At least there we had leeks and onions. You know what they had? They had bad breath. That's what they had. Their thinking was so far off. Can you imagine being the God of this people, having this place over here, a land flowing with milk and honey, where they can raise their families to, to know him and to love him? He's got big plans for them over here. But they're over here saying, well, you know, I wish we'd just stay right there in Egypt. We were doing okay over there. No, you were not. You were existing, simply existing until you didn't exist. You were a slave. God's trying to reach somebody this morning. Would you stand with me today? He's trying to help you think differently than what you've been thinking. He's trying to reach you today and help you to understand the things that you think you love. He has anything God ever asked you to lay down, it's only so he can empty your hands so you can pick up something greater that he has in store for you. He takes nothing away from you that he does not replace with something better. God wants to give you some things today. I'm ending it right there. Would you bow your head with me today? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.